Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Rob Wolf, and welcome to episode number 97 of Unformidable. We take a look at lo- the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, everyone who dons the orange and blue is in some way unformidable. In our last podcast, we took a look at Pete Harnish, who was a graduate of local university and my alma mater, Fordham U. You know, I fancy I know a lot about Mets history, not faith and fear at flushing level knowledge, but I've been watching closely for a pretty long time, and I had no idea until I began preparing the Harnish podcast that Harnish had a connection with another former Met who is there but very fuzzy in my memory. I basically remember him as a baseball card uh, because he had one full Major League Baseball season and that was it. But in preparing and researching Pete Harnish, I learned that Mike Brewert's impact on the Mets didn't end after that one MLB season in 1978. He went on to positively impact future Met Harnish as his pitching coach at Fordham. And before, when he came to the Mets, Brewert, of course, had another notable tie with a much more notable Met than Met figure than Pete Harnish. Here we go into the unformidable story of Mike Brewert. Michael Edwin Brewert was born on June 21st, 1951, in Jamaica, New York. Uh, 
in the borough where one can find a partner fit for a king in beautiful Queens, New York. According to Google Maps, this means that Mike Brewitt was born approximately 6.2 miles from Seaverway, City Field, Flushing, New York. He would grow up in Queens and attend nearby Christ the King High School, where he was not what you would consider a major league prospect. It's hard to be considered a hot prospect when your high school record is one win and 16 losses. However, Brewer did have two things going for him, a lively fastball that could move too much, as he was incredibly wild. In fact, in his early high school days, he reportedly threw his fastball with one finger on the top of the ball, which I absolutely can't imagine uh, that he had a lively fastball with a one-fingered grip. Uh, But he had little coaching and admitted in interviews uh, when he was in the majors that he had no idea where it was going. Uh, Speaking of his high school days, he said, no one ever taught me the proper way to throw. The ball would go left, it would go right. Batters would scream at the coaches to take me out. But in addition to a lively fastball, the other thing Brewer had going for him is he, uh, how would we say, looked the part. Uh, He, uh, what I believe, if it's been a while since I read it, but I think what Malcolm Gladwell called the Warren Harding error. It's been a while since I've read the Gladwell books, but at a, at any rate, at a strapping, handsome, six foot six, inch, two hundred twenty pound frame. Uh, with a 6-foot, six 6-inch, six 220-pound frame, Brewert could throw fast and looked like a pitcher, a potentially imposing one at that. Brewert himself had little hope of a professional career. After high school, he was scooping ice cream at a local Carvel and playing for a local Sandlot team. Uh, but from there, from that Sandlot team in Queens, he was picked to appear in a Sandlot All-Star game at Yankee Stadium, where he was at his best, striking out six batters in three innings. And in attendance that day was Met scout Hank Kelly, who, quote, fell in love with his size and his fastball. I'm sure the local ties didn't hurt, but the Mets signed Brewert in the auspicious Mets year of 1969. It would be a long, hard road for Brewert to try to learn how to pitch and harness his control. In his first full season, after a couple of years in rookie ball uh, in 1972, he walked 99 while striking out only 72 in 105 minor league innings. However, while he was struggling in his professional life in this new exciting baseball career, he wasn't struggling in his personal life, as in 1971, uh, in his first spring training with the Mets, Mike Brewer met and hit it off with Gil Hodge's daughter, Irene. Two local kids who grew up in New York, Queens, and Brooklyn. I guess they must have had a lot in common. It's perhaps potentially dangerous to date the boss's daughter, at least apocryphally, uh, but it would things would go well and the two would marry, making Brewert Gil Hodges's son-in-law, which, as I mentioned in the top, is kind of personally all I really remembered of Brewert. Uh, 78-79 was when I really first started watching baseball, but I was very young in 78, uh, so 1979 feels like the first baseball season I have memories of, however vague they might be, but I know it was the first year I collected baseball cards, so while I don't 
personally remember watching Brewer pitch. I do remember the Mike Brewer card, that classic Topps late 70s style uh, team banner. I think Mets was in brown, yellow. Uh, maybe remembering it wrong. I hope not. Brown banner, team name in yellow. Uh, Brewer with his cool 70s hair. Um, but, you know, those cards had little tags on the back, and according to Topps baseball card number 172 that year, Mike Brewert, uh, rather than a stat or a different fun fact, was noted as the son-in-law of Gil Hodges, former first baseman of Dodgers, manager of Mets. And I was young, so I might not have known who Mike Brewert was, but as a Mets fan, I sure knew who Gil Hodges was. Father-in-law managing the team or not, Brewert continued to struggle through the minors, though, both with Hodges in the org and after his untimely death early in the 1972 season. And if you think minor leaguers are currently underpaid, which of course they are, well, back then, uh, Brewert made, according to an interview I read, approximately $500 per month, uh, which of course meant he had to take numerous off-season jobs, which included being a Grave digger at Calvary Cemetery in Queens, uh, stomping cans, uh, which I, I guess pre-cycling, pre-recycling machines, uh, at a Pathmark in Brooklyn, and he worked as a fitness instructor at a Jack LaLanne spa in Bensonhurst. This is all courtesy of a Mike Lupica profile I dug up from 1978, which was worth it both for the quality, but also for the 1970s hipster Mike Lupica headshot in the article byline. Uh, that is not a Mike Lupica that I've ever seen before or remember. But I digress. In the 1972 offseason, uh, again after Hodges' un- untimely death, uh, the Mets lost Brewert to the Phillies in the Rule 5 draft uh, briefly uh, in, in the winter of 72, but he was returned back to the Mets in April of 73. Uh, he would continue to toil in the minors, getting up to double-A AA and triple-A, uh, but never getting a whiff of the majors. Couldn't have blamed him if he gave up the ghost before 1978, but he did not. Uh, and a couple of uh, perhaps fateful things involving bigger name Mets players, um, indirectly, I would guess, led to Brewer getting his shot, because 1977 was, of course, the year of the Midnight Massacre and the departure of Mets legend Tom Seaver. Um, the 77 team, of course, bottomed out without the franchise, and the team continued dismantling what was left of its established, or shall we say, reasonably paid talent that offseason, trading off all-star hurler John Matlack to the Texas Rangers. All these vacancies, all these departures would lead to vacancies and gaping holes in the Mets rotation, and the career minor leaguer would finally capitalize after seven long, full seasons in the minor leagues. At the age of 26, two months prior to his 27th birthday, after an excellent spring training in 1978, Brewer got the call into Joe Torre's office to find out, after those seven long years, at 38-51 and 51 record in the minor leagues, he had made it to the show. Again, according to Lupica's article, Brewer bought himself a what I would imagine was a well-deserved $5 bottle of champagne to celebrate. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brewer made his major league debut in game four of the 1978 season. And perhaps the most surprising thing to me in preparing this podcast is that the Mets started out 1978 3-0. Uh, game four was actually game two of a doubleheader at Shea Stadium against the Expos. The Mets had won the first three games of the series opening the season, uh, but the fans, well, at least there wasn't much excitement the first couple of games of the year at Shea without Seaver. There are only 11,000 fans there on opening day, um, under 10,000 the second game of the season on a Saturday in April. But 30,000 did show up for the Sunday, April 9, 1978 doubleheader. Perhaps most of Jamaica, Queens was in attendance to cheer on their local boy. I don't know, but I would like to think so. In his Major League debut, Brewer took a 5 nothing loss, but he pitched pretty well, uh, going six innings, uh, surrendering eight hits and three runs. Only one of those runs was earned, however. The first batter he faced, Ellis Valentine, singled, uh, but was gunned down trying to steal second by the late great, lamented, and always unformidable John Stearns. We're happy to have featured him in a recent podcast and really saddened by his recent passing. And even just as a line in a box score, it was nice to see his name and just think about uh, who he was, and it seemed fitting, you know, helping settle down his young, well, not that young, but a rookie pitcher in his debut uh, with a nice clutch play. And settle down Brewert Wood, uh, retiring the next two batters, including striking out Andre Dawson to end the frame for his first career Major League strikeout. His second career start would come on April 18, 1978, in St. Louis, and there Brewert would earn his first career win. Uh, he would hurl six more innings, allowing one earned run, a walk, and three strikeouts. It was a 1-1 game going into the 7th. The Mets had quite the anemic offense in 1978. I mean, they pretty much just had a bad all-around team, but uh, the offense in particular. I mean, Craig Swan led the league in ERA that year. Pat Zachary had a pretty good year. Uh, Jerry Kuzman uh, went 3-15 with a 3.75 ERA in what would be his last year as a Met. But at any rate, it was a 1-1 game going into the 7th. Uh, the Mets loaded the bases with two outs. Uh, Torrey took the opportunity to pinch hit for Brewert uh, with young Bobby Valentine, who doubled down the left field line, scoring two and giving Brewert his first career Major League victory. Through five starts, Brewert was 1-2 with two no decisions, but a sparkling 1.82 ERA, uh, which prompted the Lupica article in the New York Times. I mean, Probably would have happened anyway. You got a, the local kid makes good angle is hard to beat. But whether it was the Mets or just, you know, 
small sample size, uh, returning to the reality of why he took him seven years to get to the majors, or whether it was a Lupica curse. Uh, Brewer began to struggle shortly thereafter. Uh, his ERA rose to five by late June. Uh, he, did, he got sent back down to Tidewater for about a month to kind of straighten himself up, uh, but came back up in July and finished the year largely in the Mets rotation. After a win over the Padres on August 24th to jump his record to 3-6, and six, Brewer alternated good and bad starts down the stretch, uh, but ended up losing five of his last decisions over the month of December, uh, December, over the month of September. The bad starts were rough, as he allowed 19 runs over 35 innings in, in the month. Uh, however, in the middle of that, he'd have his best major league moment on September 17th of 1978, Brewer took the hill for the 61 and 88 Mets against the 82 and 66 Philadelphia Phillies in front of 35,000 plus at Veterans Stadium on a Sunday afternoon. He was facing up against Larry Christensen and taking on a lineup uh, with some impressive hitters, including Greg Luzinski, the Hall of Famer Mike Schmidt, Richie Hebner, Bake McBride. The Mets would stake him to a 2-0 lead just out of the box on the top of the first. Mazzilli would lead off with a double. Elliot Maddox would single him home and was two outs. And Maddox on second. John Stearns would single Maddox home. There's Stearns again uh, to give his pitcher a 2-0 lead. And Brewert would do the rest, throwing the first and only complete game of his major league career. A four-hit shutout uh, against the Phillies. Uh, walking two batters, striking out five, in a tidy game duration of one hour and 59 minutes. Brewitt would go on to lose his last two starts. Uh, The following start would be against the Phillies at Shea, the last time he would take the mound at Shea uh, as a Met. Uh, He would, in in this uh, tribute to the 78 Mets, he would go seven innings, uh, allowing only one run, uh, but would take the loss, one nothing. Uh, this time, Christensen getting the best of Brewert. Kuzman would actually come on in relief of Brewert in that game to pitch the last two innings, which is just bizarre to me. His final Major League start would be in Game 160 of that year on September 29th against the Cubs. Uh, and couldn't blame the offense in this one as uh, in his final start of his career, Brewert would go four innings, surrendering five runs on eight hits, walking two, and striking out one. After the 78 season, uh, Brewert was traded by the Mets to the Texas Rangers, along with Bob Myrick, uh, to bring on a veteran pitcher for the Mets pitching staff by, by the name of Doc Ellis. And if you don't think we're going to go from Harnish to Brewert, and now Brewert to Doc Ellis... Largely as an excuse to talk about Doc Ellis's acid-drenched no-hitter. Um, and also, look at his time with the Mets. You're crazy. Um, of course we're going to do that soon. I, I've been biding my time waiting for a Doc Ellis podcast. Brewert would never make it to the majors again. He would uh, toil in the minors for several more years, pitching in the, t- in, the t- in the Rangers and the Yankees organizations for several more minor league seasons before finally retiring after the 1982 season, which he spent in Columbus, the Yankees AAA affiliate. All in all, Brewer pitched parts of 12 different seasons in the minor leagues, going 62 and 73 
uh, with an ERA of an even four. Uh, he threw 1,163 career minor league innings, uh, walking 577, striking out 552. The most interesting statistical quirk to me uh, for, of Brewer's major league pitching career is the fact that he actually flashed pretty good control in the majors. In his one 1978 season, he went 4-11 with a 4.78 ERA, appearing in 27 games, 22 of them starts, uh, 133 and two-thirds innings pitched, uh, surrendered 171 hits, um, but only 34 walks in 133 and two-thirds innings, um, 2.3 walks per nine innings, which is pretty impressive. Uh, only 56 strikeouts in those 133 and two-thirds innings. The other interesting thing is that he only surrendered six home runs, uh, 0.4 home runs per nine innings. In fact, Brewert had a 4.78 ERA, but he actually had a 3.12 FIP uh, that year. And the walk rate was totally anomalous from his minor league career, and you know, not just the early years, um, you know, even in the 70s, even later in the late 70s and 80s after his major league stint, uh, he'd have a lot of seasons where he'd walk more batters than he uh, struck out. His minor league career, he walked 4.5 batters per nine innings. Uh, the home run rate thing was actually pretty consistent. He, uh, he only surrendered 56 homers over 1,163 innings, that same 0.4 homers per nine innings rate. Um, they said he threw hard, so maybe it was a heavy fastball. But uh, even in an era with a lot less power, uh, Mike Brewert did not surrender many long balls. That did not help him get to the majors, other than that one exciting for him, probably not very exciting for Met fans to watch that team in 78 uh, that I have vague memories of. But uh, again, 4-11, 4.78 ERA, uh, he has a negative... 1.4 war, according to baseball reference. But why be salty or negative about someone who worked so hard to get one season in the MLB sun in the orange and blue? As noted, after his playing days, Brewert became pitching coach at Fordham University, uh, spent a long time there as pitching coach in the 80s and 90s. In addition to Harnish, he also tutored another one other future major leaguer, Miguel Jimenez, pitched for a couple of years in the A's organization. And while he was Gil Hodge's son-in-law, sadly, Mike and Irene Brewert eventually divorced. Uh, Mike remarried to a Rosemary Petrillo, uh, has two children, and at last report that I could find lives out on Long Island. I wish he was still in Queens or in one of the boroughs, but I guess I can, I guess I can consider someone living on Long Island a New Yorker, or, you know, New York adjacent. His perseverance gave him a glorious year in the majors, a glorious 1979 Topps baseball card, and a block in our franchise's quirky history, the unformidable Mike Brewert. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on all your socials, and look for this and all of our Amazon pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R. The show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.